Hello and welcome to our podcast series created by us here at Broadsword called Be Listening. Today we are talking to an award-winning behavioral scientist and director of Behave, Leah Karam, on how behavioral science can be used to create better brand experiences. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today, Leah. My pleasure, Christine. Thanks for having me. Leah, you are a consulting director of a behavioral science consultancy. Can you give some background on how behavioral science is essential or has been for brands to better understand and therefore change their messaging to connect with audiences? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I always give the example of King Charles and Ozzy Osbourne. They're the same age, same gender, same mosaic group for any strategist out there. Mm. You know, they've got the same sociodemographic profile, but they're very different behaviorally. You can't speak to them the same way. So essentially what would resonate with King Charles wouldn't resonate with Ozzy Osbourne and vice versa. So that's essentially the study of behavioral science. It's looking at those patterns and nuances that group a certain community together and understanding that enables you to go beyond those broad factors that are sometimes especially nowadays, very, very ineffective Mm -hmm. because they don't give you the full story. They don't give color to a certain strategy. So the study of behavioral science enables you to spot patterns, it enables you to spot nuances. It's growing a lot at the moment with the use of technology because technology enables to find those new nuances. Um, So yeah, essentially behavioral science enables you to gain more predictability over unpredictability. Um, Another example that I always love to give is, and you know, the visual is really funny, but it's like um, when you look at Spock, you know, Spock was very rational versus uh, Homer Simpson that's just chilling there and just like going on with life. We're Homer Simpson. We're literally irrational. we're driven by em- emotional factors. We're not always rational people or rational beings. More often than not, we're just not rational at all. So it's kind of tapping into that human irrationality and actually understanding what drives that irrationality to be able to predict that a bit better and connect with people in a way that's human instead of connecting with them in a way that's very much like in the box because no one actually lives in the box. We evolve, we change, and it enables that agility and real understanding of uh, people. So that's behavioral science, and I'm excited to dive into it further with you. Hmm. A part of audience decision is making cognitive biases. Can you explain what some of these are and why brands need to tackle these? Yeah, of course. I mean, cognitive biases is a way to really predict the unpredictable. So essentially, behavioral science is about finding predictable nuances and signals within an unpredictable human behavior. We're all humans, you know, we're uh, social animals, but we're very irrational. You know, we we stay on bad contracts, we can be very lazy, we take shortcuts. We are not very rational. We'd rather do something if it kind of gives us this kind of uh, personal gratification instead of, for instance, maximizing a certain like material gain in some instances. So that's behavioral science. It's actually the study of behavioral economics where it refused the classical theory um, kind of a point of view where everyone wants wants to maximize their material gain because there's a psychological factor an ego that sits there and an emotional irrational uh, behavior as part of who we are now biases and nuances and cognitive biases essentially cognitive biases that are that set with the nuances enable us to actually find why we're so unpredictable and literally if you look at a cognitive bias for instance social proof social proof is about how we are all influenced and anchored in whatever someone else does so 
if uh, someone comes in in a room and says this is the best cookie ever everyone would be excited to go and try it mm-hmm. if you walk by an osoho somewhere and look at a huge queue you'd be curious about it that's social proof i know it's simple but it, it's anchored in a lot of things that we do authority bias for instance that's another bias authority bias is about how an expert figure in certain industries drive you to adopt a certain behavior it depends per culture so you have to study that very very specifically because authority bias might be better or kind of more more effective in a certain culture than in another that's the beauty of behavioral science it gives you more predictability over unpredictability you know that someone or a community behaved this way because they were affected by a certain factor so when you understand those biases those those kind of factors that that make it that we're kind of we could fall short on some things as humans then you kind of end up so yeah when you find those biases that make it that you know we fall short as humans yeah. you kind of find those biases that explain why okay. and then that helps you in kind of better predicting behavior because you understand what drove a certain behavior so that's mm. the beauty of behavioral science as well it's kind of understanding the theories and the science and the psychology behind a community a culture a, a, like an audience segment behaving a certain way how can events planners or marketeers grab their audience's attention in a digital world that is crowded and consumer centric? Yeah, so I I always speak about the um and, and I think it's very important to keep in mind the the shift in 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 the, in the funnel. So basically, I always say it's not a funnel anymore. You know the traditional marketing funnel. You know, let's say the the, the IDA model. You know, from awareness to interest, etc. It's not that anymore. It's a loop now. Mm-hmm. The community sits at the center, and then you've got awareness and consideration that can happen at the same time because your brand is mentioned whenever you're not even aware of 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 it. Um, so essentially, the consumer has more bargaining power. There's more you know user generated content out there. You know, it goes without saying. So I think it's quite difficult or they see it as challenging some brands see it as challenging in this in, in the moment to kind of grasp what consumers want because it's a crowded ecosystem but again because it's a crowded ecosystem that means that it provides you with more opportunities and more signals and more consumer nuances than ever and more consumer need states than ever so this gives you an opportunity to really understand them and grasp them so essentially for event planners my main recommendation is to really tap into the new tools that are out there to be able to get those new consumer needs states and nuances. So I see it as a big opportunity and the the brands that can re- really like capitalize on that are those that are going to do really well, but they need there needs to be a learning curve involved and an, an opportunity for a test and learn and they need to work w- with experts, you know, like, like like you guys for instance or us to be able to really grasp that and understand how how to go about it and how to kind of improve that over time. Hmm. With on the technology side, what opportunities does technological advancements such as predictive AI uh, present to drive insight-driven strategies? Yeah, so predictive AI, I love talking about it as predictive AI, obviously, because there are a lot of people that come up to me and that ask me if robots are going to take over. Um, and the thing is, I always, always say and differentiate between generative AI and predictive AI because let's look at it as generative AI. Generative AI is, 
your chat GPT, it's your mid journey, the kind of anything that creates um, new new text, new content, uh, new pictures, new new images, uh, voices. You know those covers, those I don't know Taylor Swift covers. Of course, I mentioned her. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone mentions her twenty four seven. She's great, honestly. But like Taylor Swift covers, um, basically uh, turned into like Harry Styles, uh, the Harry Styles voice with uh, Taylor Swift songs. That's generative AI. It's using something and creating something that's new and different. But the thing is, that's going to be very regulated because it's quite dangerous. It ends up not becoming your content and whatever you're doing. So that's generative AI. Now, I wanted to say that because predictive AI, you know, what you just asked, presents a huge opportunity. It's going to be a bit less regulated or it should be less regulated than generative AI, which should be heavily regulated because it's a tool. It's a new tool. It's a new way to predict behavior in a way that you can't from a human point of view. I can't analyze billions of data points, billions, billions of data points without using that. I can't really understand the top themes the top sentiment in the market, um, do some semantic an analysis, for instance, without it. So I see predictive AI as being a new tool that we could use to really dive into consumer behavior and understand that. So that's predictive analytics. And essentially, that's going to keep growing and keep booming because, for instance, if you want to tap into a certain event, you could understand the pain points in that event, the sentiment that happened when this happened, the intensity of that sentiment and prioritize that. We didn't have that 10, 12 years ago, or we did because AI self-learns, but it could have been 50, 60% accurate, not 92, 93% accurate. So it's going to keep growing over time and it gives an opportunity to tap into things that we, we would otherwise not have. Um, so that's why predictive AI is going to keep growing and brands need to capitalize on it now, ideally a year ago, but you know now is the time to, to, to do it as well so they don't fall behind. Hmm. How can behavioral science be used internally and what impact can employee experience have on brand experience? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always say that behavioral science is in everything that we do. And I always obviously like try to not use it in my day to day. <laughs> it's, it's hard, but I try not to. Um, and essentially, literally like behavioral science could be in anything. It could be in how you speak to people, how you speak to clients. It could be in how, you know, you train your employees. Um, behavioral science can be used in any form of response to briefs as well could mm. it be you know we talked about con cognitive biases so cognitive biases can be integrated in, in their response for instance if you look at um, Australia versus the UK they've got a different uh, behavior when it comes to let's say pet supplement brands um, you can't really walk in Australia and then get that right so essentially you would uh, empower and embody authority bias because they follow a lot of vets they get their advice versus in the UK you could maybe walk in and get some recommendations so you would use for example planning fallacy you would use another bias you would understand another bias to be able to integrate that so I'd say a lot of brands can start by using behavioral biases and looking at how those actually impact and kind of provide more value to consumers. Um, we, they could also, we could also use behavioral science in a way that gives you more insights with technology. So essentially, if there are some consumer need states that we find through research tools, through you know consulting briefs and all of that, there's a way to really integrate that to understand how consumers would respond. So for instance, in financial services, if there is an email communication that you want to send to clients um, and you talk to private clients, for instance, and we did that, that study, we try, we, we 
uh, one of our clients wanted to share um, the fact that they're there for them during the crisis. They want to speak to them, reassure them, but they use a negative tone of voice using predictive AI and emotion AI within predictive AI. We found that there was a lot of fear and anxiousness in the actual client tone of voice. So we said, why not change it? Add action verbs, add, add positive queries, add, add, add a positive tone of voice to it. We changed that using our, our solution called behavioral copy. And then we increased trust by 136% within the tone of voice. So instead of saying, you know, it's hard to contemplate, you know, all of uh, to like uh, to contemplate future and plan, you just say something on the lines of, you know, so you could sp spend more time with your, with your friends and family, we would do this, we have a team of experts to do that. That's a quick win for a big impact. That's behavioral science. It's understanding how to speak to people in a way that would drive them to kind of be a bit, you know, to drive them to a certain behavior, but would also drive them in a way that's effective mm -hmm. and not just do something because, you know, hey, that's something that we want to do. Um, it's to do something because that's something that we have to do. So that kind of that's the difference. It's providing more value for people. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Like you, it doesn't come to mind sometimes that this is an everyday thing as well. Yeah, it's it's so so embedded in in what we do. Like the amount of self control I have sometimes when I'm like at dinner or something, when I want to say something, I'm like, nope, nope, I'm not going to say it. But yeah, it's it's in everything that we do. It's behavioral science. It's human behavior. Uh, we're obviously all, all all humans, and I think sometimes people forget I'm a consumer. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I'm also someone that also obviously travels and 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 goes out and all of that. And like we're all uh, kind of just so busy out there. It's so noisy out there. So we're all embedded and anchored in certain behaviors and we always want to obviously learn and grow as people as we go through life stages um, so life stages is huge in behavioral science hmm. because it takes that age element away and it looks at, at the life stage so you could be 28 and go through a certain life stage that someone else would go through at 40 and there are a lot of um, changes within those so there's something called uh, for instance the nine enders so when you turn uh, when you're 29 and you, you're turning 30 you do a lot of there are a lot of changes that happen when you're 39 you're, and you're going to turn 40, a lot of changes happen. But, you know, cognitively, some people feel 29 at 25. So it's really about understanding those moments within a certain community to be able to drive that. And I think the beauty of behavioral science is it sometimes takes the individual person away when, when we look at like marketing at calm. So it takes you away, it takes me away. It's very regulated and it's very kind of privacy focused because it looks at what we have in common. So, for instance, um, with the rise of, you know, the cookie-less world at the moment, the restrictions with first-party data, uh, it's, it's really tough to, to predict behavior without a strong understanding and a knowledge bank of human behavior. For instance, human behavior is all about understanding that we all cluster in groups, in communities, in behaviors. So for instance, if we like the same music, if we encourage the same football team, mm. um, all of that, those are signals that give you an understanding of a certain community. And we can tap into that, you know, more, more than ever. Um, so I think that's the power of behavior science. It's growing because it gives you an understanding of things that you can't use at the moment with the traditional um, kind of data collection, for instance. So from a marketing and tech point of view, it has more uh, creds and more power than ever because it gives you a real understanding of what's happening regardless of the things that you can't access anymore because the law of polarity, there are other things that come to light that can give you a better understanding of that. So I think having an understanding of human behavior and for brands, having an understanding of their consumer segments, specifically how they kind of segment a certain market, then dive into them, then position themselves around them, then grow certain prospects 
prospect audiences, that's the power of consumer behavior. It's merging merging marketing, psychology, and technology to get to a point where you have such an expert understanding of why you exist in the market, who your consumers are, and how you can grow that and provide value to them. I don't see that. Maybe I'm biased, but I don't see that being effective without the use of behavioral science, without an understanding of how your consumers behave. So that's really fundamental to be to be able to grow. And yeah, I mean, going back to your question around, you know, like, you know, what's the power of behavioral science and, you know, how we can, how can we use it? Again, I, I insist that it's everywhere. It's in everything we do, every single, I don't know, like every single interaction we have, like our interaction at the moment, you know, it's, 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 everything is based on behavioral science. So, and we were just like talking before that about shows, like reality shows and how actually those people are in an environment and it's interesting to like, look at what they do and actually their behaviors and we're all interested by that. We're all interested in, you know, reactions and 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 connection and all of that and really looking at people in controlled environments. And it's everywhere. It's in everything that we do. Um, and I think obviously it boomed. It grew so much as a feel it's going to keep growing um, because a lot of brands during COVID, again, so that they don't really know their consumers as much as they think they do. Um, and that gave them this kind of will and need and want to uh, to understand them better. So it's up to the decision makers within those companies to encourage their employees to be able to innovate, test and learn, uh, uh, go to trainings, for instance, uh, um, try different tools. And that comes down to employee experience because you can't really have behavioral science within a company or you can't really have innovation within a company without the, the, the leadership team, for instance, cultivating that and giving people the, the the kind of the opportunity to learn and grow and try, you know, and I think the more um, different leaders are going to embed that and empower that, the more the brand is going to kind of grow and actually learn from 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 different tools and, and different kind of tests and trials. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the mo- most important thing. I always say employee experience and consumer experience are so interrelated because how do you expect to add value to your consumers if you know you don't provide that to your employees so again that's what what's important to keep in mind you can't really expect consumer experience to be improved using behavioral science like this you have to be able to put the right trainings in the right team in empower that and then grow that with people there's always someone behind a decision maker there's always a human behind a decision maker that's really important to keep in mind As we have come to the end of this episode, I do have one more question for you. What are some tangible ways event managers and marketeers can implement behavioral science? Of course, I'm going to try not to give out all my secrets, but (laughs) Um, there there are tangible ways in in different senses. So essentially, one way to do that is through segmenting differently. So an example that we did with one of our clients is, they used to, they tried to grow their brand. They're huge. They're like a like a business um, communication platform. They tried to grow their client base by using trade classification. So you're in tech, uh, you're in finance, you're in, you're in, which could work in some instances, not when you're trying to put up, so it's, it's a strategy, when, mm. when you're, not when you're trying to grow that kind of brand in the market as a new way, as a new behavior. So essentially what we told them was, 
You know, at the start, you should go by psychological profiles, not trade classification. So, for instance, looking at the personality model, the, the ocean model, so op openness, conscientiousness, um, like extraversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Looking at, for instance, those that score high in openness to experience and conscientiousness and finding those profiles regardless of the trade. So, for instance, finding those decision makers that are your early adopters, you know, in that kind of uh, adoption trend curve, but in tangible ways using personality profiles. That's a tangible way to bring the tr the, the kind of trend adoption curves that we, we all learned in, in business school in tangible terms. It's actually finding those people with those profiles with based on the signals that they communicate with. And those people within the personality type are the ones that provide a lot of uh, recommendations. They're networkers because openness to experience, uh, word of mouth, etc. So it's a strategy to be able to really put yourself out there, r raise awareness on something using personality types. And there's a tangible way to actually drive that using behavioral science within your marketing strategy. So that could be one way to do it. Um, I think obviously like a, a second way to do it is you're talking about events here. So for instance, you found those people. It's important to capture that data. So to capture the people that interact with you. Um, that's for example, we call it zero party data. So zero party data is any data that your consumers give you consciously. It's not first party data. It's not second party data, you know, surveys, etc. It's zero party data where you add choice architecture and prompts, for instance, on your newsletters, on your website, etc. You really study the journey to get them to give you information on what they want. People that are openness to that have high openness to experience are twice more likely to respond to that because mm -hmm. they want to give you their advice, they want better experiences. So those people, and we found that, actually respond. 80% of those people actually said on the website what they wanted. You then retarget them using newsletters, tell them about the event, and at least 20% will come. So really understanding how to find your early adopters, for instance, when you launch something, getting them there, then building a strategy based on personality profiles and psychographic profiles, then understanding on social, for instance, using predictive AI, what they really want during that event is a perfect way to start developing that appeal instead of starting in very traditional terms. So that's the beauty of behavioral science. It's clever. It's very interlinked. You start somewhere, you don't stop. It brings you towards a, an ecosystem that's more effective and that gives you better ideas to, to innovate. So that's kind of a, a tangible way um, to kind of apply behavioral science for events. I hope it can inspire people to kind of use that and also find different ways to do it. But yeah, we're, we're always available to talk, obviously. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. I've honestly learned so much about behavioral science today. I can see in your eyes, you have so many more questions. But There's so many more. Ask her. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you'd like to kind of share with the audience who's listening? Um, I think obviously don't be because a lot of people are feel overwhelmed by new things, you know, and that's also behavioral science. You know, some some audiences love change. Other audiences are overwhelmed by change. That's why you have to speak to them differently. You can't speak to them the same way. Mm -hmm. So for those that are overwhelmed by change, I tell them you know, start steps by like, like step by, it's a step by step way to go. There's a step by step way to go about it. Um, read BJ Fogg's Tiny Habits, for example. So it's really good because he speaks about how you can actually take tiny steps to get somewhere. Uh, so when you want to start exercising again, for instance, you can wake up and do like this. The next day you could do two. Three days after you do one push-up, like that's the same thing here. Like, you can start little by little. So for audiences that are intimidated by that, 
I, I want to tell them it's not that hard. It's literally not that hard. Um, and for audiences that are excited by change, I tell them that like you've got the biggest opportunity to do that now. N now's the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 really interesting because because I, I feel like some people think they're like so like behind the curve, but actually by by listening to this in itself, they're a bit ahead of the curve now. So I think those people are the ones that can take that forward and be able to apply that. So I'm excited to see, you know, those people as well, like drive that and encourage others to adopt it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if there's any other question, then I'm more than happy to kind of, yeah, to, 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 uh, to answer and uh, yeah. Thank you again so much for sharing your thoughts on behavioral science with us today. No, of course. I mean, it's it's my pleasure and I'm, I'm really excited to be part of that. I think change and shift and hopefully it's just the beginning, you know. Um, and yeah, there are so many ways to kind of innovate and grow the field. There are so many ways to integrate that within different sectors, different industries. And I think events, because events is what brings us together as people. It's yeah. what drive us to, drives us to communicate, to connect, is going to be one of the main industries that's going to obviously adopt that um, because it's anchored in behavioral science. So yeah, thank you for having me and I'm excited to see where this goes. If you would like to see similar content to this, you can follow us on our socials at We Are Broadsword on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok, or Broadsword Group on X. Thank you so much again for listening, and hope to see you on the next one. Bye!